we've been uh, wandering our way through uh, Isaiah's, uh, the prophet's uh, prophecy, and, uh, and we turned the page a few weeks ago as the first 39 chapters, remember, um, and it were what uh, Israel and Judah, uh, God's people, the Hebrew people, had done uh, as far as their relationship with God goes and God's interaction with them. And then in chapter 40 through 66, the attention shifts somewhat and is uh, much more focused on what God uh, does and on God's redemption. Because you see, no matter how much we try uh, to make ourselves uh, better or uh, fix the problems we have on our own when in our own strength we only make things worse and we've all experienced that firsthand because we all do it sometimes even after we're saved and and God redeems us we still do it uh, and yet God reminds us over and over and over again only he is able to save uh, and so in this chapter, the prophet Isaiah asks uh, an important question to us. He asks an important pe- uh, question to uh, the people of Israel. And the question is, hey, do you want to be dead or do you want to be alive? The choice is yours uh, in relation to God. And that same question is asked of us today. Uh, do you want to be dead? Or do you want to have a faith that's alive? And so let's take a look, uh, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to read uh, from the ESV, the English Standard Version, this morning. Um, you can follow along on the screen if you'd like, or you can follow along in your Bible. Which I hope you have. The first, uh, first verse uh, says, Bel bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens. On weary beasts, they stoop, they bow down together, and they cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age I am he, and to the gray hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we might be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales hire a goldsmith and he makes uh, it into a god and they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in its place and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him uh, from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no God other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all of my purpose. 
Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And what a, a great reminder to us. And, and God really is calling um, both the, the Israel and Judah to account for uh, their unfaithfulness uh, to him. He says, listen, you, you worship these Egyptian and uh, ancient Near East God, Bel and, and Nebo, and the, these things, you know, that, those Canaanite gods, they can't do anything. And you, you know, gather up gold and silver, and you hire a smith to make a little statue, and you carry it on your shoulder, and you take it home, and you put it on a shelf, and it just sits there. And I, God says, it can't move. Well, why can't it? it can't move because it's not real. It's an inanimate object. It's gold and silver. If you cry out to it, does it hear you? Nope. Think about... Uh, Elijah in the Old Testament, you remember in the book of Samuel, I think it's 1 Samuel, um, where Elijah goes out to um, the disciples of Baal and says, hey, listen, let's have a contest and let's see which God is real. And we'll build an altar and we'll put a a sacrifice there. And whoever's God receives that and consumes that sacrifice, that'll be God. It says it seemed good to the people. So they said, yeah, sure. And the Canaanites brought their... Elijah, was, you know, he's a gentleman. He said, you go first. And they brought their... And they wailed and cried out. And guess what? Nothing happened. And Elijah mocked him a little bit. said, well, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you need to, to scream a little harder. Uh, maybe he's gone off on a trip. Um, and uh, kind of, of being facetious, uh, facetious and sarcastic. and um, Of course, nothing happens. And then Elijah says, all right, I want you to take some pots of water, and I want you to pour that water over the sacrifice. So it covers that sacrifice, but also fills up the hole, the trench that we dug around that altar. Fill that up, too. And then you remember Elijah prayed a very short prayer. It takes about 10 seconds to read. Remember what happened? God came down and consumed that. A fire from heaven came down, consumed that sacrifice, ate all that water. Even the water that was in the trenches was dried up. These folks knew that story. And they knew the story of how God had delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and how God had provided for them in the desert. 
And yet, remember the old adage that says those that don't learn from history are bound to repeat it? Israel found that true, and they were repeating the mistakes of their ancestors. And so God says, listen, I've had enough of this, you crazy nuts. You've got to decide. Are you going to you know, allow a, to be my people that's alive and I'm active within you and you're serving me and we had this relationship together? Or are you going to sell yourself to gold and silver idols that you put on a shelf and can't do anything for you? Some, in some ways, it's easier for us to give our allegiance to little idols that are on a shelf because we can, they're tangible. We can see them and touch them and feel them. But we also can control them. We can put them where we want to put them. And if we control and manipulate our God, we're not worshiping the one true God because he doesn't bend to our whims and wishes. He alone is almighty and supreme. And so God reminds us, and he, he says, you know, House of Jacob, remember he's talking about that southern kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Judah, that was a little bit more faithful. Uh, it took them a little bit longer to uh, totally walk away from the Lord uh, and were ultimately taken captive. But he mentions uh, Judah, or Jacob and Israel. So he's talking about this the, the, the people of God. He said, listen, those of you that are faithful, you're really my children and you're part of my family. And he reminds us of a, a few things about who God is in this chapter. And the first is this, that God is faithful. We must never, ever forget God's faithfulness. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes declared, you know, morning by morning, new mercies I see. God is always there for us. Each day he's there for us. The question is, though, are we there for him? And that's where the rub is. That's where the rub was for the children of Israel. And that's where the rub remains for us today, even in 2021. But God said, you know what? You bow down to these Canaanite and these Egyptian gods and these idols of gold and these idols of silver that you've crafted, and they don't do you any good. They said, you know what? I am faithful, and I'm going to be with you. In fact, I'm even going to be with you when you're gray-headed. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to be with you always, even when you're old. And here's the thing, and David understood this in Psalm 139. He said, where can I go to get away from your presence? He said, can I climb up to the highest mountaintop? I get up there and, <laughs> you know, I'm out of breath. But you know what? You're going to be right there. I put on my scuba gear and I dive down to the lowest part of the ocean where it's dark and black and you're there too. In other words, David is saying, you know what, I can't go anywhere where you're not. We have to, as God's people, remember that God is faithful. Jesus said it this way, he said, I will, uh, I, 
the, the Gospels tell us that Jesus was like a, a friend that's closer than a brother. In other words, Jesus will stick by you. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And again, the problem is not God leaving us. It's us leaving Him. The things of this world and the idols of this world, though the idols of this world today don't come in uh, statues of gold and silver, they might come, though, in the form of technology or the form of power or the form of money or the form of possessions or the form of power or the form of pride. You see, we can make just about anything an idol. And though even sometimes good things, I think we would all agree gold and silver are good. They're valuable, so they have some monetary value, but they also are used and um, you know, do some handy things. Uh, most of you have smartphones. Uh, I didn't know this until I watched one of those shows on the sci-fi uh, you know, the Sci-Fi Channel, how, how Things Are Made. Have you ever, all ever watched that? It's really a cool show, and they, it's really interesting to see how they make things. But in your phones, there's a certain amount of silver. Some of the connections and the little gadget, gears, whatevers that are inside your smartphone that make it work is silver. And so silver can be good. But can I tell you, if we bow down to the silver that's in our phones... Or we bow down to the gold and silver that we wear as jewelry. Jewelry is not necessarily bad. It's kind of nice to look at. I, I, by, I, every, once in a while I'll ask Leslie, where's the necklace? I go, why aren't you wearing the necklace? I think she ought to wear every necklace that I've ever bought her all the time. Maybe at the same time. And every pair of earrings I've bought her. Because they're pretty. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with, with jewelry and gold and silver and having things that are made out of gold and silver. The problem is when we worship those things, when those things control our life, we're in trouble. But we must remember that God is faithful. When he makes a promise, the promise doesn't change. And he never reneges on a promise. He never says, well, sorry, I've changed my mind. Oops. But now that doesn't mean that we can't just do what we want and that God's just going to all wash out in the end. There's some that are, are teaching that, and that's false. That's not what the Bible teaches. God does issue promises, but most of the promises that God issues are conditional. Remember, he says over and over again, if you will do this, then I will do this. And we find that all throughout the Old Testament, and we find that all throughout the New Testament. And so we have a significant part that we play in whether we're alive or we're dead in our relationship with God. God is certainly not dead. He's alive and working. But can I tell you, there are a lot of people in this world that are walking around with a dead faith. And we're going to talk more about that at 11 o'clock, so I'm not going to harp on it right now. But God 
is faithful. He is always there, and he never leaves us. And he will, part of his faithfulness is he will be faithful to discipline us. And that's what he meant when he said, you know, I'm going to bring a, a bird, you know, from the east. He's talking about uh, the nations of Assyria and Babylon that God used, and he sent to Israel first and Judah second, the northern kingdom first, the southern kingdom second, and carved his people off. Why did, and, and God says, you know what? I am doing that. I'm causing them to do that. But he's also going to judge them here. Uh, as we're going to see, Babylon and Assyria, we've already seen, have had some harsh words said about them. We're going to see some even harsher words as we go throughout uh, the rest of the, the book of Isaiah. So God used the Assyrians and the Babylonians, but you know what? As they interacted with God's people, and they saw God's faithfulness, even as because God says to uh, the children of Israel, hey, I've even been with you've been captive, but I've been with you. And I've been calling out to you, and I've been looking out for you, and I've been providing for you. And so he says in verse 12, Listen to me, you stubborn heart who are far from righteousness. And so it reminds us that God is faithful, but God, secondly, also God is observant. God knows our ways. In fact, the Bible says that God knows the very intent of our heart. He knows our thoughts. He knows our deeds. He knows our words. He knows our actions. And the truth is, though we think we hide and only we are aware of our sin and our shortcomings and the times that we fail, the reality is God always knows. And the reality is that Sin, if it's not dealt with, eventually, everybody comes to know about it. Uh, so you try to hide it if you want and kind of live in this delusion, but people will eventually see and know, uh, if not the specifics, they'll know that there's something going on and you're not following the Lord and being the, the person that God created you to be. Um, and so he says, listen, you, you've... You've got all these gods that you've met, had made for you, and you move them around, and you put them around your animals when you are carted off, and you take them to Assyria and to Babylon, and they don't do you any good. So he says, why don't you, before your faith totally dies, why don't you come back to me? You see, God knows where we're at. We might have a smile on our face and we might have a, a Bible in our hands and you know, a, a fish thing on the, our car or on a necklace or on some earrings. And so on the outside we look like we're uh, good, godly people. But God knows what's on the inside. And God reminds us over and over again, he's not concerned about the outside. He's concerned about what's on the inside. And it's because God knows that what's on the inside eventually comes outside. In the example of the Israelites in 
Judah and Israel both. Israel was called out to be a light to the rest of the world. They were supposed to tell everybody else in the world about the God that they served and worshipped and had been real in their life. But instead of worshipping God and instead of meditating on his word and praying to him and uh, doing the things that God had told his people that they needed to do in order to have a healthy, thriving relationship with him, so then I think we're, I, I want to do something that I can control. I, I know God said that, but hey, listen, let's, uh, let's find loopholes. And let's try to get away with you know, the least that we can do and still be considered God's children. And let's not be too radical, though. We don't want people calling us zealots, holy rollers in our vernacular today. We don't want too much. We want a little bit of God, but we don't want too much that he makes any demands on our life or on our time. And so the nation of Israel closed in on itself and began seeking after power and fame and money, and they enjoyed the prosperity and the blessings that God had sent. And things were pretty good, so they said, hey, we're doing pretty good. We don't need God. But the reality is, what they had was from God. And so God took it away from them to get their attention and get them to turn back to him. So, what was in their hearts eventually came out in their actions and in their words. And by the way, everyone not only in Israel saw that, but everybody else in the communities that dealt with them and the, those in the other nations that traded with Israel, they saw that as well. And do you think that was a very good testimony of the Lord? to those that were heathen and far away from God? Absolutely not. And so we need to understand that you know, people are looking to us, and God is expecting us to be a reflection of Him. And God sees when we're living for Him, He knows that we're trying, and we're never perfect at it, but He knows if you're trying or if you're not. He knows if you're, you're living for He knows, you know, if, he, if you pray, He knows it. He hears your prayers. And He answers every prayer. Sometimes not the way we want Him to. And sometimes not in the time that we want Him to. But He always answers our prayers, sometimes with yes and sometimes with no. And we, none of us like being told. But there's times it's good for us to no. know. And then other times God says, no, the time's not right just yet. Hang on. God knows not only our intents, but he knows the intents of others. He knows the future and what you know, lays ahead uh, for our life. And so, guess what? It's best for him to direct our path, not us. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. But guess what? God does. And so God is faithful, and God is observant. 
He knows what's in our heart. He knows what our actions are. He knows if our faith and our relationship with Him is alive or dead. And lastly this morning, God is righteous. You know, what uh, the nation of Israel and what the church fails to realize and remember today is it's not about your righteousness because you are not righteous. Paul said this way, he said, my righteousness is as a filthy rag. It's garbage. But you see, it's not about our righteousness. Yeah, there's days we're more righteous than unrighteous. But our righteousness is still not what it ought to be. But here's the thing. God never said, I want you to live in your own righteousness. Remember what Paul says in Romans 4 about Father Abraham. Remember what it says? Same thing it says in Genesis. It says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So the righteousness is that God is seeking after in us is not ours. It's not what we can do. But it's his. And what he can do. And so God is saying, listen, you numbskulls, you stubborn-hearted, stiff-necked yo-yos. You come and receive my righteousness. Let my righteousness live inside of you. And the New Testament talks about believers having the righteousness of Christ applied to our account and shining and living through us. And so we must never forget it's not our righteousness, though we should strive after righteousness. And we should do the things that are right. Our salvation does not come by how right we are. It comes by how right God is. So look at how he ends. He said, listen to me, you stubborn-hearted who are far from my righteousness. I bring my righteousness near. It's not far off. In other words, he's saying, listen, you're carted off in this foreign land and you're slaves to these uh, heathen people. But I'm still with you. I'm not far off. I'm not still hanging out in Jerusalem. I'm here with you. And in fact, God said, ultimately, as we get to the end of the story, God's going to send the people back. You remember that we talked about Cyrus, the, the Persian king that would ultimately release God's people uh, last week from uh, chapter uh, 44 and 45. And so God says, listen, my righteousness, my salvation... It won't last forever. It's not going to just hang out in these foreign lands. But he says, I'm going to bring my salvation to Jerusalem. 
Zion is another word for Jerusalem. He's not talking about the city of Jerusalem. He's talking about and using it to refer to his kingdom. He's saying, listen, you know what? You're going to come back, come back to my salvation, have a, a live relationship with me, and you'll reign with me. Or you can choose to stay and live like the Babylonians and the Assyrians and you know, be dead in your faith and ultimately end up spending eternity in hell, in condemnation. He says, Israel will be my glory. And it's not the geopolitical nation of Israel, but rather he's using Israel as a representation of God's people. And how do we become part of God's people? Well, the recipe is the same today as it was in the book of Genesis. And is all throughout every page of scripture. This is how God says you come to me. By faith. Recognizing that, hey, God is righteous, but I'm not. I'm sinful, and I know the penalty of sin is death. And the only payment for the penalty is sinless blood, and I don't have it. But God himself came and was born of a virgin in the little city of Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, and was crucified outside of Jerusalem, but then raised on Sunday morning, on Easter morning. And reigns from the right hand of the Father of God. And so Isaiah reminds us, as he was reminding his people when he originally was giving this message. That, hey listen, God is faithful. God is observant. And God is righteous. Now the truth is that God's righteousness, when you've put your faith in it, it changes you, doesn't it? And when God's righteousness is in your life, it shines and it is reflected in how you live and how you think and how you treat other people. And so God says and reminds us that, hey, listen, idols are dead. Worshiping idols and having a God that you can control is a dead faith. And it's useless. But having a a live relationship with God Almighty and living in His righteousness and knowing that He's with you and He sees you and He's faithful, your faith is alive. So which do you want? That's the question that Isaiah asks us. Because it's up to us. God will allow us to make whichever choice we want to make. We say, you know what, I want to, you know, I'm good with worshiping my idols. I'm good with statues of gold and silver and gods that I can control and manipulate and that bow to my every whim. God will say, okay, you go see how that does. 
But he says, you know what? If you want an alive faith and you want a God that does listen and a God that does have power to work in your life and to change you and change your circumstances and situations, you come to me. I'm thankful that that gospel message is still true today in 2021 as it was almost 3,000 years ago when Isaiah lived. Isn't that wonderful? Because God never changes and he never leaves. He's still the same today as he was in Isaiah's day and he'll be the same tomorrow. And I'm thankful for that. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in uh, prayer. And... uh, you remember the prayer requests, those that are sick and got some recovering from surgeries and uh, some facing some surgeries and uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, some folks traveling and uh, then those that have been displaced from their home. Uh, Brother George, lead us in prayer this morning, please.